If you're looking for somebody to give you a little bit of extra support, I am happy to be that person. My name is Michelle Mercier, and I'm the host of this trusty podcast, but I'm also a very experienced business coach and consultant, as well as a keynote speaker. And if you'd like to learn more about how I can support you on your journey, please visit michellamercier.com. But for right now, I am jumping in with the brilliant Melissa Houston. Let's go. Ever found yourself teetering on the edge of throwing in the towel? You know, asking yourself questions like, is this supposed to be this hard? Or is it even possible to succeed at this entrepreneur thing? I completely get it because I built my successful businesses while juggling major health issues for my children and myself, debt piling up to my eyeballs and so much more. Want to know how the hell I succeeded and how you can too? Tune in to find out. Here we go. Hey there, entrepreneur, and welcome to today's show. We're going to be talking about a topic that some of you love and some of you may not, but I am joined with by Melissa Houston, who is a CPA and financial strategist for CEOs, providing business coaching and fractional CFO services. Melissa helps successful business owners increase their profit margins so they can go figure first. Here it comes. Keep more money in your pocket and increase your net worth. So she's also a contributor for Forbes.com and the host of the Business Society podcast. And again, this is the topic that, you know, we got tons of good um, feedback on when I ran an entire month on money and finances, but I've also found it's one of those topics that people run away from as well. So Melissa, thank you for being on the show today. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk about money. I know. I know. Like, I love it. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, I'm kind of a geek for it. And obviously you are too, right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, tell us how you got to be where you are. You know, I mean, it's, it takes a special person to kind of go into finance. Yeah. And it's kind of um, one of those lackluster stories. Being a CPA is actually my second career. So my first career was in social work and I worked in social work for about six years and I realized it was very high burnout. So, you know, I thought if I want to raise a family, get married, you know, I need my emotional energy to be for my family. And I figured, you know, that was a conflict. So anyways, um, at that age, not knowing what to do, went to my dad, you know, Hey, don't know what to do. I'm going to do something in business. What do I do? He's like, well, accounting is a noble profession. You know, (laughs) sounds like a dad thing to say. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I'm like, all right. So I, um, I looked into accounting and realized I could become a CPA and went on that path and worked in corporate and public accounting for over a decade or two decades, over 20 years of experience, but something was calling and I just, you know, I wasn't really, um, fully satisfied with my career. And that's when I decided to go out on my own and become an entrepreneur myself. So I combined my social work skills, excuse me, with my money skills. Nice. And now I really focus on helping people and helping them understand how important money is in their business and the money management. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think the thing is, is you see all these entrepreneurs that go in to make money and for the freedom and everything, but then they don't want to look at the money. Exactly. Always, you know, blows my mind, but it is a very emotionally tied and charged 
topic for a lot of us. So tell oh, us, yes. tell us your story, because I think yours is really interesting when it comes to this, especially given your, you know, decades in accounting. Yeah. I kind of have a crazy story. <laughs> so <laughs> what happened with me was, I mean, I've always been money centric. Um, you know, when I met my husband, we always had the money conversations laid out, you know, our financial goals and dreams and, you know, kind of started working towards that. Um, you know, while having fun in our marriage and right. stuff too, right. we weren't just exactly. boring we weren't people. Just like saving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, on, on my way, you know, I guess it was about six years ago now where I started struggling, but I didn't realize I was struggling. Right. So what was happening with me is I had become so complacent. You know, I was like in this great job, um, you know, life seemed okay. I really on the, on the surface felt like I had absolutely nothing to complain about and I shouldn't be ungrateful for anything. Right. However, underneath I was, and I started to, to deflect, you know, those thoughts and, and, you know, that, that feeling like something was missing, I started filling it up with things to buy. Right. So I started spending and I realized, Hey, this makes me feel good. Mm -hmm. And you know, like anything else, it's a little bit of a rush and it wears off and then you want more. So in a year I ended up blowing through a hundred thousand dollars worth of credit. Wow. And yeah, it was huge. And I hid about half of that from my husband. Wow. Yeah. And I mean, he was suspicious. There were red flags, but I kept manipulating him saying, no, 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 everything was fine. Everything was fine. Thing is I'm the CPA. So it just was natural for me to manage the household finances. And he kind of checked out and didn't really, you know, pay much attention to it and trusted me. And he had no reason not to trust me until, until this yeah. year, yeah. this year that I'm speaking about. And of course, you know, at the time that I was doing it, I was spending this money and I was exceeding credit limits and I had to start borrowing from lines of credit to cover the credit card and this and that, you know, I realized what I was doing was wrong. I realized it was totally out of character for me. However, I still chose to do it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, you know, once the poop hit the fan, <laughs> I don't want to swear. It's okay. You can, it's fine. Okay. Let's <laughs> shit hit the fan. Because <laughs> it literally did. You know, I remember like my husband was so disappointed when he found out. And I was like, that was my bottom. Yeah. Seeing that, seeing his face, I was like, I cannot let this happen again. So I went on a journey of my own trying to figure out how I allowed this to happen because I knew better, yet I still chose not to do better. Right. Yeah. And that's kind of my my financial story, which was a bit of a mess. Yeah, but I mean it's 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 messy, but I think it's common. Yeah. Life right. is messy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that, and I, th I'm just thinking back to how many girlfriends I've heard joke about like the expenses that they're hiding from their husbands. Yes. Right. Like, yes. oh, I just, I hid the bags in my trunks. So my husband wouldn't see them. And then I brought him in the house when he wasn't there or, you know, the guys who buy the toys and then they don't show them to their wives or like, it's an interesting thing. But like you said, there is almost like this hidden shame there, but you did it anyway. So where do you mm -hmm. think that was rooted from? So I'm glad you asked because like that came from me learning. It was like a two-year journey yeah. trying to figure out what was happening, why I allowed this. And I finally um, ended up working with a coach and I'd never worked with a coach before. Nice. And the coach helped me peel back the layers because like I said, on the surface, everything was fine. Yeah. But as we peel back the layers, I realized, you know, I really was not happy working in my job. I was not happy 
um, in the cubicle lifestyle, you know, having other people dictate to me what I should be working on, what I should be doing. Like, I just felt so underutilized in my job. However, I had like, you know, the perfect job, right? right you know, right. like the paper job and I, on paper. Yeah. On paper. And, mm-hmm. and I felt a lot of guilt because I shouldn't feel so ungrateful. I should feel grateful because so many people would want this job, you know, all the emotional yeah. Garbage that comes with it. Right. Yeah. Yep. So once I realized that, um, you know, I really, it all came from not being true to myself when it boils down right. to it, I just wasn't doing what I really wanted to do. I wasn't purpose-driven. Right. So that flipped the switch. And, you know, once that switch was flipped, I was 150% in, into building my own business and building the life that I wanted for myself. And once I did that, those feelings of, you know, missing something or emptiness or, you know, like a whole, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Was gone. Yeah. I mean, it's such an interesting topic because I think, you know, as, as at least over here in the States, right. I know you're in Canada, but over here in the States, it's like a thing that's like rampant. Right. I mean, Oh, same Canada. My, my girlfriends and I used to joke, especially when the pandemic first hit, like the buying that went through the roof. Like I bought like 10 coffee mugs. Why? Who the hell knows? I don't need 10 coffee mugs. Right. (laughs) Like, but you know, because it was like a compulsion and you're right. It's, it is that, that filling of a void or an emotion that Mm -hmm. you don't want to deal with. But I mean, bravo to you for taking that leap because it's very hard. I've done it transitioning out of a role that looks really good on paper and really good to the people around you too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I share the story, right? Because if somebody else is feeling this, don't go into, you know, your mistakes and don't let your mistakes define you. If you've already done that mistake, right. right? You know, it's never too late to change things. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And I think, and I think as long as we can keep that mindset and not like, you know, this finite, I have to be this, or I have to be that and nothing can ever change, you know, like that makes life really boring too. I've always found, right. Like you can't, can't evolve. Like what are you going to do with yourself? Right. And I'm sure what you, what you had to do to come out of that. So tell us a little bit about that too, for anyone who's listening too, because I think that is a, as brave, like to kind of come down out of the debt and, you know, rebuild your life that way too. Yeah. It's pretty humbling. Right. So, I mean, thankfully, because we had financial plans that we were following for almost two decades before this happened, you know, gratefully, it was a little bit easier to recover from. Right. However, I mean, it's still, you know, I dug a hole of a hundred thousand. I put us behind. It's still a hole and it's, it's a gaping hole. I'm not going to underplay it. Um, the hardest part to me was getting the trust back from my husband. Yeah. Right. You know, I'm so grateful that it wasn't a marriage killer. Um, I think it was really good that we already had that communication with money going to begin with. So when the truth came out, he knew that this wasn't like me, right. Right. He knew something was wrong. Yeah. I mean, he, he doesn't mean he was like forgiving right away, No, but there (laughs) might've been a little bit of a different level of compassion versus if this had been like a pattern and this was just you doing the same thing again. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, he, he knew it wasn't really truly who I was and that, you know, doing things like this was out of the ordinary. So, you know, working back on the marriage and getting more communication going and really learning from those communication mistakes that we were making, right. For him to just completely trust me with the finances was a mistake on his part. Obviously I made a huge mistake And, you know, we kind of grew together in that aspect, you know, where it's like, okay, we're learning both from our mistakes and we now are truly 
going to be partners in our financial management and household. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, that was, that was the big takeaway from the whole experience. And, you know, when I, when I think about the, the mistake that I made, um, I am grateful for the lesson that I learned because I took so much away from this. Yeah. You know, and, and it changed my life it was right. an expensive mistake that changed my life, but it was still, you know, a life changer. Right. But I mean, you may not have woken up if it wasn't so expensive, right? If it wasn't exactly. such a big thing, you may have just kind of chalked it up to whatever and, you know, not have made the change if it wasn't the level of pain that you needed. Right. I love what you just said. You Thanks. may not have woken up. I love yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. Cause you never know. I mean, I always look at things like that, like horror. I'm, I'm always looking, we're on the resilient entrepreneur. So obviously I'm always looking at adversity <laughs> as like, you know, as something to be learned because if not, then it just sucks the life out of you. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. if there's nothing there to take forward. Um, yeah. So do you see this, you must see this similar, you know, not the exact scenario, but similar scenarios when it comes to business owners. Right. Where they either aren't looking. I've seen that many a time where if I don't look at it, it doesn't exist um, money wise. So can you talk to us a little bit about kind of the common cases or the common things that you see when you're working with business owners? I would say 99.9 of the people I've worked with have come to me with absolutely no knowledge of what's going on in their business finances. They don't know how they're making a profit or even if they are making a profit. So it's sweeping it under the rug. It's, it's, you know, having that overwhelm just feels so overwhelming to get started. And the fear of looking under the hood of the car, so to speak. Right. So if they looked at their books, they're so afraid to see what they're going to see. Right. Yeah. So overwhelm and fear is the top, um, characteristic that I see with my clients. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure. And again, it always amazes me because you need the money to grow the business. You need the money to skill. You need money period. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But you know, what would you say to somebody who is in that role right now? Because it's easy to say, well, then look at it. Right. But we all know. Yeah. No, it's, point, it's, it's more than black that. And white, right. Exactly. So how do, you, how do you walk somebody through that? Well, first we talk about, you know, where they're at with the situation, right? Cause it's a lot of mindset. Money is an emotionally charged topic. I have had people crying about this with me, you know, and I I feel grateful that they're in a trusted space that they're, they're able to show their emotions, but it's that jarring for people to talk about. And what we do is we figure out what's going on because, you know, everybody's got a money story that they're carrying. It could be as early as your earliest childhood memory. We are so ingrained about our thoughts and feelings towards money and if you're carrying a relationship that's negative or you have a bad relationship with money that seeps into your business, no matter what. Right. Yeah. So we talk about what's going on and address issues that they're facing, because if you don't address them, you'll never get over them. Right. Right. So it's a lot of working on the mindset, but also taking action and putting your lessons to work for you. Right. So, you know, having somebody hold their hand while they're looking at their financials for the first time is extremely comforting. Right. And then working through the financials and showing them, okay, this is where you're at, but it's not going to take much to change the situation to get you into a positive place. Right. Yeah. So, so, you know, there's a lot of working through it together and a lot of, you know, understanding that, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And, and I, yeah, 
sorry, go ahead. Keep That's going. Okay. I love what everybody no, I was just going to say, and, and you pull the lesson when you, when it's time to learn it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it amazes me too, that sometimes at least when I sit down with clients and we actually go through their, their numbers that they think, you know, I had one the other day who, you know, she wants to bring in another full-time employee, all this other stuff, you know, she wants to scale. And she thought that the, to get to that was thousands upon thousands of dollars because she didn't have the knowledge. Right. But then when we broke it down, it was completely doable. Yeah. Right. So it's those types of scenarios too, that I would like to stress to, and I'm sure you do too, of like, no, it's power, right? Like it is power. power. Knowledge is power. Like you said earlier. Yeah. I love that. Right. And you know, it's, it's about taking charge. Like you could be making a ton of money in your business, but if you're not managing that money, you're not building wealth. So what people often confuse is they think that the money coming in is making them wealthy, but that's not what's, what's working. Right. 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 Because you can easily spend that money as bring as quickly as you're bringing it in. But if you are being strategic and building your wealth and reinvesting that money, that's the key to financial success. Yeah. Thank you for differentiating. We've had a couple other people on here and I love to hear it over and over again, that wealth is different. Yes. Right. Wealth building is different than revenue generating. Correct. Yeah. I think that's how yeah. I look at it at least. Right. It's the compounding nature of wealth in my mind. Right. Do you agree? Like, yeah, I that? completely agree. And I often talk about the difference between revenue and profit. So yeah. many people think that revenue numbers is what makes your business successful. But I have seen time and time again, successful and air quotes, successful yes. businesses who are making, you know, seven figures, multiple seven figures, whatever, but they've not had any profit to show for that. And essentially what's happened is they went bankrupt because yeah. profit is what generates that, that keeps your business going. Right. And it blows my mind when you, <laughs> number one, that you have to explain the difference between those two. And it makes me worried for business owners, right? Because like you said, these are people who are dealing in seven figures or plus, right? Like, but also there's something comforting in it too, because I know small business owners, you know, who aren't necessarily there who have similar issues, right? So it's not, I think if I'm someone in a small business, I may think like, oh, well, you know, those CEOs and those big companies know what they're doing, but it's kind of reassuring to know that like, we're all, we're all kind of we figuring are this all out, in right? the same boat. Exactly. At every stage of business, there are always going to be new challenges and, you know, just, just a simple t- statistic. It's a frightening statistic, but it's simple. 82% of businesses fail due to financial mismanagement. Yikes. Yikes. That's and lot. that's, and that's like the major part of running a business. Yeah. Yeah. And it's such an overlooked part of running a business because it's not the sexy, glamorous side of the business. Right. Yeah. People, you know, they're thinking spreadsheets and, and they, they dread looking at them and dread looking at the numbers and get frustrated because they don't understand the equations, all that stuff. Right. So that's why it's so important to have somebody, if you don't understand it, get that support, get, get somebody to teach you how to do this, because once you invest the time in learning this stuff, nobody can take that knowledge away from you. Right. And you will have that knowledge year over year over year, and you're going to build your profit year over year over year. Yeah. And can we also talk about the fact that I hear a lot of people say, well, I outsource that. I don't need to look at it. Oh, that reminds huge. me a lot of your husband, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> I never trust that. that. <laughs> Maybe you should look at it though. I mean, to be honest, like not to Absolutely. make a joke out of it, but I hear that a lot. And I'm like, well, what happens when you're in a meeting with that accountant? What happens mm. when you're sitting down with your team? Like, right? <laughs> like, yeah, can you, you talk you about never, that topic, please? 
Absolutely. And I'm so glad you brought it up because even though you're paying somebody to help you and essentially that's what it is, they're helping you, they're guiding you, they're showing you the way, but if you are the CEO of your business, you're responsible for all the decisions that are being made in your business. So if you're blindly accepting somebody's decision and you're implementing it and you don't understand why or how, or the purpose of what you're doing, that's a red flag, right? Yeah. Um, you need to understand what's going on in your business so that every decision that you're making in your business is going to be a profitable one because you're making decisions every day and you cannot consult your finance professionals every day on every decision to see if it's a good decision or a bad one. And on the other hand too, I mean, you hear stories a lot in the news and this is, it's not just with celebrities. They have, this happens to everyday people, but celebrities are trusting I'll give you an example. Dane Cook. Did you hear that story? No. Okay. So he, he had given his, the financial responsibility and the business management side of his business for his brother to manage. Right. No. Yeah. And his brother took every penny that he had. Oh gosh. So fully trusting somebody is not a good, I, I know these stories, you know, they are not the norm. I wouldn't say they're rare, but they're just not the norm. Right. However, this is what happens when you put hundred percent trust into somebody, right? Yeah. Unfortunately, these things happen. And there's a theory in internal control and auditing and accounting that if you make it open to the person, like if, if you put full trust into somebody that increases the chances of them cheating, cheating you by 40%, just because- wow. Yeah, just because they see it's an open opportunity and it's very tempting. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm always a big proponent of like you can put a a certain level of trust, but question everything. <laughs> like, exactly, I mean, like, you know, because like you said, it's your fiduciary duty as a CEO to yeah. be asking the questions. I mean, we're not saying because I'm also a big proponent of building the team around you, right? You don't have yeah. to know everything, but you yeah. do need to know enough to be dangerous, right? <laughs> around yeah. the things and to be able to hold the conversations so that you can tell when something's missing or yes. something's awry, right? Yes. Like you don't, you don't have to be the accountant. Cause I can see that coming from a lot of CEOs too. Like, well, that, why do I pay them then? Why do I have to know it? <laughs> yeah. Well, right? yeah. I mean, you pay them for the guidance and advice and all the work they're doing behind the scenes right. so that when they present you the numbers, then, you know, those are the numbers, but nobody will understand your business as much as you do. Right. right? So that's what I always say. If you understand, if you give your financial power away and you check out of your business, you're checking out of, you know, how your business runs. So knowing your business numbers compliments you as a CEO. And it's not about, you know, being an accountant or understanding debits and credits and getting into the weeds of things. That is not at all what you need to do as a CEO. You need that high level financial knowledge so that on the surface, it looks good. Like, you know, like these things are um, being implemented correctly right. and you can trust your financial reports. Right. Yeah. And that's what you need to know as a CEO. You don't need to know, you don't need to get in the weeds. No. And I think you need to know enough in order to take leaps with the business, right? Yes. Like, at least for me, like, I like knowing my numbers. Cause I like the, I like knowing where my options are right? My Mm, options for growth. If I don't know what my bottom line is, and I think I'm making more money, then I'm going to make an option. I'm going to make a leap or make a decision that's going to be painful or the opposite. I could be missing out on opportunities, right? Yeah. Yeah. And And I imagine that's 
that's something that CEOs must do often. Like you said, that business at seven figures that all of a sudden went bankrupt, like that took time to go bankrupt. You didn't just yes. do it overnight. It didn't right? just happen. Exactly. It's right. an accumulation of month over month, year over year of losses until their capital ran out yeah. and small businesses don't have that luxury of time. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, I can imagine understanding what your burn down rate is in a situation yeah. like that is critical. Right. Yeah. If you're working off a of capital. Critical. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us on the flip side of that, you know, why do you think that business owners do have that unique ability to create wealth? Oh, I love right? this because, you know, when you're a small or medium-sized business owner, chances are you own your business hundred percent, right? Mm-hmm. And you can build the wealth in your business because you have more control over how much revenue you can bring in, right? right. So right. if you've decided that you want to be, you know, like, I don't know, your business at 200,000 a year and you don't want to grow, that's fine. Right. But if you want to create, you know, I don't know if you've got these big, crazy financial dreams, the best way you can do that is through owning a business. Because when you're an employee somewhere, you're just dealing with that finite salary number, right? Right. And that's what you're dealing with each and every year or pay stub or whatever. But as a business owner, you can create so much more within that, that container where you've got, you know, multiple streams of revenue coming in and you've got different projects on the go and you've diversified your income and you've created passive income. There's so many opportunities to grow your wealth as a business owner. So you you have to look at your business as being your biggest financial asset. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I recently, I recently read rich dad, poor dad. I don't know how I didn't read that like a million years ago, (laughs) you know, and I'm reading it and I'm like, okay, some of the things, you know, here and there, I, I took with a grain of salt, but that big, the biggest thing I took away was like, you, you lose control when you're in a salaried position, right? Mm -hmm. There's, there are less options. Like you just great gave so many great options when you're an entrepreneur of diversifying that portfolio. And so many people I think are waking up to that right now with the pandemic. Oh yeah. With the great resignation and such. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. So what do you think, you know, if somebody is kind of coming out of that, that hole, um, Uh just waking up, but they may have a lot of debt. Like, what do you think are the best ways to kind of get your head emotionally around it to move forward and, and release that? Right. Cause that thing that can haunt you forever. Yeah. Do you mean like people who are ready to leave their job, but they're still hanging on to a no, lot I'm of I'm sorry. People, people who have the debt, who have kind of gotten rid of it or right, righted the ship. Let me restate. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you release that shame though? The shame around. Yeah. You know, that's a tough one, right? Because unfortunately things happen in life. Right. And I understand that somebody would feel shame about it. However, I encourage them to release that because what they've done, if they've, if they've managed to get out of debt and move on from it, that is a huge accomplishment. You have to like flip the the script, so to speak, and look at things for the way they are. Like, this is a positive move. You have, you have done the work you've gotten out of debt and now you're with a clean slate and you've learned likely from your mistakes and Going forward, you're just a little bit more conservative. You're more careful. I mean, the debt could have been because, you know, the pandemic hit and and it was uncontrollable and this is what they had to do to get through. Yeah. Or it could have been from irresponsible decisions. Whatever the backstory is, you got to let it go. You know, they survived it. They got through it. And 
going forward, just being more conservative, making smarter financial decisions and not over leveraging themselves again. Right. Right. Cause I don't know anybody who's like, Hey, I feel like going into hundred K debt. Like, I don't think exactly. like anyone, anyone Nobody's starts proud off of that. to do that. Right. And it's yeah. never their goal, but it just becomes, it becomes their goal by default. Cause like you said, like, they're just not looking, they're just, yeah. if they don't look at it, it doesn't exist. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So where do you think is the best place for someone to start? Like, I mean, PL, like what, what are we talking about in regards to like diving into kind of your, their knowledge? Absolutely. The PL is the first Thank place you. that is Good. probably, that's, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's the most used financial statement in your business. If you're going to do yourself any favor, get to know that PL because it gives you so much important information. It tells you how profitable your business is. You can, you can run a PL for the month a quarter for the year, all of them, you can compare year over year to see how your business is growing. You can create your operating forecast off your PL and compare what you forecasted to what you actually achieved and, you know, monitor your, the progress against your goals that way. There's so much magic in the PL. And I love the PL because that just tells you like that bottom line, that profit line. I mean, that is stuff to get excited about because yeah. that profit is what you get to keep after taxes though. I have to exactly. give that caveat, exactly. right? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but after taxes, that's what you get to keep at the end of the day. And that's, what's going to build your wealth. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had a client that like, we finally got him to a point of having just, just a basic, I'm talking like spreadsheet PL, like nothing mm -hmm. in a system, nothing like that. And the level of like, just empowerment that came yes. with just that little spreadsheet that we made him was just, it blew my mind. And that's really what I started seeing is like, that's where that power is. Like that, yeah. you, like you just described, you get that profit and then you're like, Ooh, the sky really is the limit because I can mm -hmm. do something with this. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And I love, you know, seeing growth plans and that's based on your PL yeah. and, you know, reinvesting that profit into growing your business. You can do beautiful things. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. So I sound so corny. Eh? <laughs> no, I think it's fantastic. Right? I just heard myself and I'm like, wow, you're kind of laying it on thick. <laughs> no, but I think it needs to be laid on thick because I think we, we are trying to penetrate multiple layers of yes. money mindset, you know, things here. A lot of resistance so, here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and it's, and sometimes I even start clients with just understanding the terminology right? Yes. Because they don't even, they, they think, like you said, revenue versus profit versus expense versus, you know, operating fund versus like all of these things. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I just start by giving them like a glossary of terms. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Slowly get into learning the terminology, right? Don't get, don't overwhelm yourself. You don't need right. to know it all at once. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, I mean, what else do you have for us friend? <laughs> like, What else do you, what else are you seeing? Cause I just, I just love everything you're saying. What else are you seeing that you haven't kind of mentioned yet? Like amongst your, your clients, I know I saw a video on your Instagram around exit strategies, which is always a fantastic topic yes. to talk about. Um, yes. you know, but before we, before we even touch on that one thing I'm, and I'm talking in circles, I apologize. I have so many things in my head for you, <laughs> you do. but do you have any tips for the people who are kind of just starting out on things like beyond like knowing your PL, but when you're really kind of that your money is mixed potentially, yeah. you know, you really are looking to transition into like a real business, right? I hear that a yeah. lot from people. Do you have any tips in that stage? Absolutely. When you are first starting out, the only thing you really need to be focusing on is getting those sales 
get that money in the door because the cash is what is fueling the business, right? The sales come in that translates to cash. The other thing is, especially when you're starting out, keep your bank account, your personal bank account separate from your business bank account. That's extremely important. That's a first step in, in growing a traditional business. But getting those sales in and not getting distracted, there's so much online where they're selling you, you know, marketing strategies or new ideas or, you know, big promises like, you know, go from zero to a million in, you know, less than six months and all this stuff. Don't fall for it, you know, Um, and don't, don't over leverage yourself at the beginning. Starting a business is very expensive at the beginning. There's a lot of cash outlay for things and you don't need to grow so quickly that you've over leveraged yourself and then you end up falling flat on your face. You know, this is where the profit comes in. You know, if you earn some profit in a month after you've paid yourself, because another thing I often see is business owners not paying themselves, but after you pay yourself, you've got some profit, you can reinvest into the business so that you are growing at a manageable growth rate and not just trying to throw everything out there at once and, ultimately not succeeding. Yeah. I mean, one of the questions I get a lot too, is when people are scaling and they are growing, when do I hire? How do I know at which financial tipping point I hire? Like, Mm. you know, those kind of things, because scaling can come rapid fire at you. Yeah. Right. And that's why it's so sorry. No, 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 go, go. That's why it's so important to have that operating forecast so that you can plan out you, you, not only are you looking at your growth strategy, but you're looking at the expenses that go along with it, which means hiring team members. So then you can see where you're at the spot where you can financially sustain having those extra team members coming in. Yeah. Question for you. So, I mean, I know a lot of businesses that kind of go up and down, right? Like our operating plan will say, we're going to hit this amount of money by this, but may dip or it may come out. Um, I get the question, well, what if I hire and then I can't afford them? in six months, you know, so what, what is your kind of recommendation on that? Well, again, it all goes to the financial plan, right? Because if you know that it's going to dip, you're going to plan for it. Right. Um, And that comes into your cash management strategy as well. However, if these are unexpected, um, you know, turn of events and you dipped and you didn't expect to, if you have a cash reserve available to get you through those harder times, that is super helpful. You know, having, I mean, cash management is a, is a different beast and we could spend a whole episode talking about that, but making sure that you've got a cash management plan in place to sustain these new employees is super important, right. To get you through the hard, harder times. I mean, everybody should have a cash reserve. Thank you. Everybody. Yes. I talked to that about with clients all the time about like pay yourself, get your capital account or whatever your reserve account, whatever you want to call it. Even if it's a hundred bucks, like put it in. Um, so can you explain why you think, I know this is going to be a very simple thing, but why do they need reserves? Cause I want to drive it home, (laughs) get resistance on it. Because life is unpredictable. And especially in the time of pandemics, we have seen this, right? So it's very normal for a business to have it ups and downs in business. It fluctuates, market demand fluctuates, everything fluctuates and nothing is certain. So having a cash reserve that can carry you, other experts say three to six months of expenses. I personally am a very conservative person and I would say six to 12 months because right now we are dealing with such uncertain times, right? So the more cash you can keep, the more 
um, or the stronger your business will be in the long run, because it'll help you get through those, those leaner times. Yeah. So, and for the people who are kind of like, well, I'm barely paying my bills. How do I put a capital account? Like when, or how do I handle a situation like that? I guess 50 yeah. bucks a time. <laughs> like, yeah, pretty much. Right. Yeah. You, you put away what you can, and you also need to start figuring out how to get more revenue in the door. If you're, if you're just paying your bills, that's where the priority needs to be. Yeah. Get that revenue coming in, plan it out, see what you need to sustain having that revenue level coming in. I mean, I, I cannot stress this enough because quite often people come to me and they're not making money. And I'm like, your problem right now is that you're not bringing in cash. You have no cash to manage, right? Like I, I can't pull a magic wand out and, and create cash <laughs> for you. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. The only way you get cash coming in the door is through sales. So um, it's extremely important. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure what you're, what you're describing goes back to the don't get caught up in the hype stuff too. Like you said, the yeah. marketing, the, I see it all the time. I'm going to spend all my time on social media posts, but not making yeah. sales. Um, yeah. or, you know, one of my, one of my personal pet peeves are those coaches who say I can make, have you go zero to a million and six oh, months. That drives um, me nuts. It's like, it gives, it gives me like, <laughs> it's <laughs> false hope. It's so mad. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And there's no story of overnight success that right. wasn't like 10 years in the making. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, so we, we always see the highlight reels, but we don't see how much work went into the back end of it, how long it took for, you know, businesses to create, you know, that kind of revenue, or if they are creating that revenue, do we even know if they're profitable? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Because I think, you know, we never know unless you're looking directly at someone's reports, you know, they can look really great on social media and have zero. I mean, you and I have both said it, we've both seen people who come to us who have no idea what's yeah. going on with their finances. So I, yeah. you know, I want to drive that home because I think so many people feel bad about what they're making or what they're doing and that shame thing. But I love the fact that you're shining a light on mm -hmm. it and saying like, you don't need to, you don't need to feel the shame because we're all in this together and you can get out of it too. Exactly. Exactly. That's wonderful. So any last tidbits that you want to leave with the audience, like things that you really want to really want to drive home with these folks? You know what? There's probably so many things I didn't mention. I mean, I can go on and on about how to manage your money, but what I really want to drive home is that point we were talking about earlier, where it's not how much money you're bringing in that makes you rich. It's how you manage your money that builds your wealth. Yes. Building wealth. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Thank you for reiterating that. And again, any, I think especially women, no offense to our guys, but especially women really need to be focusing on wealth building. Yes. Um, I write about that a lot too. Yeah. 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 Cause I, I really want people, I want women to start realizing that it's possible for them too, because quite often I hear women telling me, I only need to make as much as I need to live off of. Yeah. And I'm like, why, why is it not okay for you to want more? And then they, that's where the money mindset comes in. Exactly. Well, it's greedy to want more wealthy people are bad people, you know, stuff like that. And it's like, we got to shed the shame. We've got to shed the, the stereotypes that women are not, you know, or they don't have permission to, to build wealth because we do, we can do it just like anybody else. And exactly. it's totally okay for us to want more in life. Yeah. Yeah. And that goes across the board, not just financially folks, like all the way across the board. There was some yeah. stat I heard. I don't remember the exact numbers. I'm probably going to butcher it, but essentially it was like women in the States 
um, have more knowledge around finances than anyone in the world, but they use it the least. Yes. <laughs> I believe that blows my mind. I'm like, we're yeah. so smart. We've just been told we're dumb. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. we believe it, unfortunately. So but I did just it. a little bit of a highlight there though. Yeah. I did, um, did see a report. I can't remember what it was from, but saying that the gen Zers are more likely to start investing earlier than, than their previous generations. Nice. nice. Yeah. So That's at fantastic. least things are starting to change. Yeah. Which I, which yeah. I love. I think it's, it's coming. I'm with you. Like, I want to be optimistic about it too. And I want to be optimistic because, you know, we're having conversations like we're having right here. That's even if it's one person who hears it, it makes the change like job yeah. done friend. Job exactly. Done. <laughs> exactly. Well, tell people, I know you have a wonderful free gift that you're going to give our folks. It'll be linked in the show notes and, you know, tell people where they can find you as well. Yeah. So if you go to my, my main website is melissahoustoncpa.com and on there is the free gift. It's the five-step roadmap to biz finance freedom, which is the framework for CEOs to understand, you know, the financial foundation of the business. And if you're on social media, I am, I can be found on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram, and the handles are at Melissa Houston CPA. Wonderful. And we'll link, we'll have all that in the notes too, folks, because this is one person that you definitely want to go track down because <laughs> she can you. help you. She can help you with all this stuff and you don't have to be as scared about it. So Melissa, exactly. thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. I just, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed this talk. Oh, good. So I wasn't lying when I said like, this is the topic that you know I, I kind of feel like we got a ton of feedback from positive feedback about people who really needed it and needed this topic to be talked about on the podcast, but it is also the topic like nobody wants to talk about. Everyone wants to listen about it, but nobody wants to talk about it on some, for some level. So I was really grateful for Melissa to coming on for coming on and telling her story about, you know, her mistakes as well as how she came out of it, as well as how she uses that valuable experience to help other people go through their lives, right? Because I think we just, we think everybody else has their shit together, right? I mean, this goes for many more topics other than just the finances, right? But very often, you know, what it looks like on the outside may not be the reality. And I think someone like Melissa can come to the table with compassion and can come to the table with such a vast array of knowledge around finances that she's definitely worth checking out. And her free download for those of you running companies is fantastic because I did, I did take advantage of that myself. And on next week's episode, I am welcoming Edgar Blazona, who, you know, is going to tell us all about how he went from being a high school dropout to completely disrupting the furniture industry. He's got a hell of a story and he's just an overall really nice guy. And I think you'll really enjoy what he has to say. So don't miss the episode. And if you love this podcast, please don't forget to subscribe, download, follow, rate, and review. And you know, tell a friend because who couldn't use a little more resilience in their life, right? See you later.